Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Bear and Federated Insurance. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. So good to be here today. It's been uh, it's been a actually, it's actually been a little while since I've had uh, recorded a show. I, I try to keep a good backlog for you guys so that we have a consistent stream of episodes coming out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a little bit of time between my last batch, so I am glad to be back in the saddle. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, things are, you know, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting time right now uh, with the status of the, uh, of the country, of the economy, of the world. Um, I've been hearing that some people are uh, having some uh, slowness. Some people are experiencing some slowness. Others are not. Um, I think it's a little bit dependent on your uh, microeconomy. Um, nothing at this point to be worried about. I looked at the um, uh, service provider index today. It's sitting strong at uh, about 50.3%. Not that that means anything to anybody, uh, but that's that's a positive thing. That's that's a positive thing. What it means is that people are still renovating. That's what it means. And in fact, um, I was reading an article um, this morning about uh, the real estate market, and here's kind of what's happening. Um, this while the number of offers on houses has dropped, people are having less of an appetite for buying a fixer-upper. What that means is that they don't want to buy a house that isn't ready to move in. And so when you're talking to your realtors, when you're talking to um, the, the home sellers, uh, they're going to have to do a little bit more work to get their house ready for the market or else it might sit on the market for more than 30 days. And if it's sitting on the market for more than 30 days, that means that either they have priced it too high or it has too much too much work that needs to be done. And that is good for business. So uh, just a little, I just wanted to throw out a little bit of assurance out there that people are, um, people are buying. Oh, not only this, this article um, also said that the amount of the inventory of houses is low. And a lot of that is because with the increase in interest rates that a lot of people are deciding to stay put in the house that they are currently in because they want to hold on to those interest rates that they have, those lower interest rates, which means that instead of upgrading their home by moving, they're going to be looking at renovating. Okay. So just want to give you guys a little bit of encouragement out there that the phone is still going to ring. You still got to try. And with that, I want to introduce today's topic, the phone ringing. Um, yeah, I remember a time where, uh, early in the early days, I was, you know, always a responsible type and I'd get to pick up the phone and answer and, and the person would say, Hey, uh, you're the, the only person who answered the phone. You're the only painter. I've called five painters and you're the only one that's answered the phone. And that was for me, a, a, a badge of honor, you know, mark, mark of pride until I started getting busy. Then I started to be that painter that wasn't answering the phone because I couldn't. I was too busy. And and so, uh, you know, there's a time where I used a, a call service. A lot of people ask questions about using call services, uh, different things that you could do to remedy that. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, but what we're really going to be talking about today is the phone etiquette. Here's the deal. You're very busy to pick up the phone. I get that. Let's find a solution for that. Um, the other thing is that you might not be that great at it. 
and and i i can fit in this boat i i can i've got some horror stories of, of my own where i just you know was burnt out uh tired of these people uh you know you know sometimes customers they just you know they they you know certain ones you know the ones um and they can they can really get under your skin and when you're the owner of the company and you don't have um you don't really have rules per se things to get out of control i remember one time uh, i get a call from a lady we were working on her house we had finished and uh i was in a i was in the locker room of a gym i was getting ready to go i was uh butt naked i get this call and she's like complaining about the uh the siding and how it looks and she sends me some pictures and i look at the pictures and the what the issue is is that she had a lot of siding that needed to be replaced and she chose not to replace a lot of it in fact she went out with our carpenter and they before we got there okay long like weeks maybe even a month before we got there she went out with the carpenter and with a spray can marked all of the pieces of trim that were going to be replaced with him and he replaced all of them and he made suggestions for certain ones that should be replaced and she was trying to save money and so she didn't she didn't replace them well we were you know we were just in charge of painting we were we were you know the contract was that they're going to replace the bad pieces we're going to paint what's there well we paint what's there and the pieces that she refused to replace surprise surprise they look bad and she is furious at us for something that was completely within her control and i'm sitting there butt naked uh all of a sudden in a screaming match when do i get into a screaming match right it's it it's just not part of who i am <laughs> it's not always easy it's not always easy to use the phone in business it's not always easy and I am really excited for our guest today, Stephanie Jones with Ruby, because she's going to bring us some well, uh, uh, well needed, well desired information on handling phones. Uh, before we jump into this call, a couple of announcements. Of course, um, if you want to listen to this episode on um, uh, the video, if you want to watch the video, make sure that you download PCA Overdrive. Um, where you can see all of the past paint ed uh, episodes. Um, I've got about, I've got a little over a hundred episodes uh, in the tank. I know that uh, Chris Moore with the Elite Business Advisors, his show has over a hundred. Um, you know, Dick Slavic probably has uh, 37,000 episodes. Um, Brandon Pierpont has some good episodes. We got a ton of hosts on the network so that all day long you can fill your ears with uh, painty goodness business knowledge chats with other contractors make sure that you are subscribed either on spotify um, apple Podcasts, or google Podcasts, um, and download the app uh, pc overdrive uh goodness all right so i think we should just get into this show because i think that this is a topic that for one i haven't really covered that often but um it's really important like using the phone well is really important and so uh do not skip this episode because it's going to be filled with juicy juicy details hey let's go ahead and get into this show hey stephanie welcome to the show hey it's great to be here thank you yeah now i need to note to everybody that her name is stephanie not stephanie okay and that is a, that's a, a sticking point for me because uh, I have a fit. My family name, my, my last name is Higgs, but my family name is Daphne and uh, spelled slightly different. But it's that same that same Stephanie. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's so, two syllables rather than three. I'm telling you, <laughs> makes all the difference. I bet I bet growing up in, in elementary school, taking attendance, it was nightmare. <laughs> you know what? I kind of just roll with the punches. And if, I, if they call me Stephanie, I'm like, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. 
<laughs> okay, so Stephanie, you've uh, you've you've been with Ruby for a little while. Um, tell us a little bit about um, your area of expertise and and your background, and um, and then we'll kind of jump into the, the the meat of the show here. Yeah, my background is kind of an odd story. Honestly, it would be seven years ago that I was in veterinary school, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's a weird story. I'm telling you. And uh, a semester through that, I discovered before my uh, debt accrued too highly that Mm. this just wasn't the path that I wanted to to move forward with. So I moved from Columbia, Missouri to Kansas City, Missouri area, and I started working with a small startup. And I will never forget, and this is one reason I love working with small businesses. When my boss hired me, he said, this is a startup you may not have a job tomorrow unless you do a good job. And (laughs) the work you put in is determining the success of my company. And I'm like, okay, this is legit. So I started working with them. It was a chat company, a live chat company, and we worked mainly on orthodontic websites. And then our COO joined us and he was from the home service industry. Mm. And that's kind of where I started to sink my teeth into this industry and really start to understand it. My role at the company, I was our very first chat specialist. We Mm -hmm. exclusively source our our team out of the United States. So no one overseas answering. It's always someone like me. And I had to be the one to create our scripting so that the conversations were succinct. I got the information that was required by every single company, the intake information. And I also set a good first example for that company. So Mm -hmm. I created that outline and then I created our call connecting department. So during business hours, if I sourced a lead for a company from their website, I would call that lead. I would ask them if they were available Mm. for a call and then I would immediately call them, get them on the phone and transfer them over to the company. And uh, right around three years into that operation, we grew from three employees to 150. And then Ruby came along. Now, Ruby Mm -hmm. offers live virtual receptionist services. So the live chat side of the organization really just paired well with those services. I like to think that, you know, if you're doing web development work, you're driving leads to your website through pay-per-click campaigns. The chat feature is great for lead generation and the phone is great for lead conversion. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a beautiful marriage. And I've been with them ever since and been working in the home service industry for over six years now. Very nice. Very nice. So so for for those listeners who, uh, you know, are consistently worried about the back office and and reception, Mm -hmm. uh, Stephanie has been in this space for six years and working with tons of companies on it. By the way, Ruby is an industry partner. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is really on the side of customer engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, in the intro, I, I outlined kind of two different scenarios that I think that we'll, we'll get into, um, just in terms of a, having the time to answer the phone and, and use the phone to, you know, propel business forward, but and then the second scenario, well, you know, when things kind of go awry or th- people have, uh, you know, emotions, how do we how do we handle those kind of conversations in a way that uh, uh, doesn't, you know, leave you screaming butt naked in a in a locker room, um, but <laughs> can actually get you paid? Um, <laughs> Yeah, we don't want any of our clients butt naked screaming at their customers. No. <laughs> but no, I absolutely have uh, just so many tips and um, things that we've picked up from 20 years of being a receptionist company. And I just want to share that knowledge with everyone, understanding how you can gauge what your customer engagement looks like if it's successful and ways that you can improve it and what type of callers you can anticipate different types of techniques that you can employ with these callers so that those conversations are successful. And then last but not least, just understanding what call trends in the industry are teaching us about caller expectations and what you should have prepared. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So, so where do we begin with, with customer engagement? Like what is it? And you know, what, what do we need to know about our current status of, uh, of, of what we're doing with customer engagement? Yeah. So customer engagement in a nutshell, it is the act of building a relationship between your company and your customers. 
if you can make the people that you serve feel connected, heard, cared for, even enthusiastic about working with you, you're going to be able to outperform your competition every single time. And a large part of that is how they are able to interact with you and how quickly they're able to interact with you. And what I've experienced in my years of working with small business owners is that the phone can be a a positive thing in their life or a very negative thing in their life. It could be Mm -hmm. a source of adrenaline rush whenever a call comes through or a cortisol spike, just depending on (laughs) where you are. And uh, the confidence that you have to engage with folks, because a lot of the times folks are like, you know, I started this business because I've got a passion for it. It's just what I really understand how to do well in life. Mm-hmm. And communicating and engaging with customers is not really my forte. So either it's you answering all those calls, or maybe you've got a customer service rep that you've hired on or receptionist or your mom that you've hired or your wife or significant other that you've hired to answer mm-hmm. the calls. But it's still something that hasn't been created into a practice, something that's been established with a process that's in play where it almost becomes formulaic for right. your success. Right. And, and that's and that's so typical, um, you know, in our industry. I, I, I know a lot of the a lot of the women that are in our industry that are, you know, that are powerhouses of of the paid industry. Mm-hmm. A lot of them started because they're humble, uh you know, hardworking husband is a painter by trade and decided to hang his own shingle. And now he's like, oh, shoot, uh, I don't know how to run a business. Mm-hmm. And he happens to be married to a very smart wife who is willing to help. <laughs> but that's what's so hard about that is that, um, you know, people, those phone calls, they come in all the time, especially if you're in the residential um, repaint world. Uh, your customer is dealing with their home issue when they are at home, not when they are at work. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the new calls that you get for, um, you know, incoming leads, I think there was, I I read a stat that was 42% of those calls for home service are coming after business hours when you're Mm -hmm. at home or getting the kids ready for bed. Um, When people are, when you're actually working with the customer and they come home and then they see something and they're like, what is going on? Then they're calling or they're texting mm-hmm. and it's late. And uh, for a lot of our, our, our listeners, a lot of our, our small business owners, um, it makes it so that it's really difficult to shut off at the end of the day. Oh, and I mean, this is echoed across so many industries that we work with. So I just want to let everyone know this is typical. It's not ideal, especially for small business owners, because your business is your baby. And I know so many who have two cell phones, one for business and one for personal, just to try and keep things separate to some extent. But what we found in our prior year's call trends report was that those shoulder hours, hours right before work and right after work, they are spiking in terms of call volume. You know, Mm. typically we would also see Mondays be the highest call volume. We've seen this really strange trend these past couple of years where it's more so looking like Tuesdays and those shoulder hours and Fridays, we have seen a huge spike in call volumes as well. So things in the industry are changing pretty consistently. And it's a mixture to do with, um, you know, work from home schedules, Some folks are able to work from home, others aren't. What their flexibility looks like with their kids and what their schools look like, especially during the pandemic when kids weren't able to go to school and they were um, being homeschooled whenever they could be. Mm -hmm. But alongside that, shifts in technology and shifts in how your customers engage with your business from a digital standpoint. It's all shifting what their activity looks like. And that's part of what I hope to touch on today. With okay, cool. So let's, let's get in it, into it. What's uh so, so if we're going to really enhance the level, level up, cause I know that our listeners, they want to professionalize their business. Uh, they want to take things to the next level. Some of the, some of our listeners um, it's just them and a couple helpers and they're answering phone while they're on a ladder 
we've got other listeners who they're a little bit more established. They've got um, they've got people in the field. They're running between estimates. Um, you know, some of them have estimators already uh, trying to figure out the call volume. I have a friend who recently, um, you know, they're actually seeing a decline in sales and um, uh, to the degree that layoffs came. And so, um, you know, he had a, a very talented and, and, and uh, reliable office manager. Now he's handling all that stuff on his own. So we've got people who are in, in a current, you know, a lot of different states that I think are going to be um, loving this conversation just to, to figure out how to handle those calls. Where do we begin? Mm -hmm. So I want to start looking at what your customer engagement is doing for you right now. And just a question for you to consider is how confident you are that you are engaging with your customers in a way that is going to result in positive action. That positive action being a review, a positive review posted, or them providing a referral. And I know whenever I talk about phone calls, eyes can sometimes glaze over, but there's a lot of importance on it. 92% of calls represent opportunities. Those opportunities aren't solely going to be new business for you, but it's certainly an aspect is winning business, but it's also retaining business. Those are opportunities to lose business. It's an opportunity to improve perceptions of your business, strengthen connections with your customers and so much more. So when we're thinking about the most efficient and potentially the most effective essential avenue you have for organic business growth, it's really simply comes down to meaningful connections with your existing customers and your prospects. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to start paying attention to customer engagement and how you can improve that, you want to look at your customer interactions and what those touch points are. So that could be the uh, usability of your website, especially on mobile. It could be your ads, how well they're performing. It, of course, how phone call conversations are going, how follow-up conversations are going. So when you're looking at your customer engagement strategy, it's going to be a different answer for most every single business in terms of how exactly you measure customer engagement and how successful or unsuccessful it is. But there are ways to track this. And I'd love to share a few ideas. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you got? So for anyone who might be active on social media, which I know is not a very, very popular topic of conversation, but it is a beast that we do need to address. Mm -hmm. If you do have social media accounts, be as active as possible and monitor how much engagement you're getting there. And bear in mind, this is not a judgment zone. This is purely from an analytical standpoint, looking at how many mentions you're getting on social media. If you have your own newsletter, uh, analyze how many uh, email open and response rates you get. If you conduct feedback surveys, monitor those surveys and actually try to process that information that's given back to you by your customers. Monitor your call metrics to the best of your ability. For a lot of small businesses, you might not have any robust system in place, but even understanding how many calls you're getting on average each month, each day, uh, and more intricate mesh, um, metrics for your website, things like churn rates uh, or your click-through rates on your ads or on your website. And then of course, the ever so important conversion rates. So mm -hmm. if you are starting to notice that you've had a volume of leads come in, but your conversion rate is drastically lower, that's a sign that something is broken along the way in your customer engagement journey that you've built yeah. out. Can we, can we dive a little bit more into understanding our call metrics? Cause one thing that I'll uh, say about, about my company. So a lot of, a lot of my listeners know this. I ran uh, one company for about 12 years, uh, took a break, jumped into software for a while, was part of an exit, came into, came back to painting, started a brand new company. Um, that's been a, that that's been an exciting journey, but you know, it's, yeah, if anybody had ever, has ever wondered what it would be like to start over from day one, 
I could tell you that you don't start on day one. You don't start where you were at on day, uh, you know, whatever 12 times 365 is. So, <laughs> you know, it is it is that initial grind uh, at the beginning. What I've noticed for for us this time around is that there is a um, clear difference in the in where these leads are coming from. Um, so fewer online lead submission forms, mm. a lot more texting, a lot more calls. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost all calls and text uh, mm -hmm. on, on my part. So I think that a lot of those things are, you know, the, that you mentioned, the social media, the emails, the, you know, all those things. I think that those are uh, very important to monitor, very important to, to, you know, have on your radar, obviously. Um, in this conversation, we don't get a lot of people talking about call metrics. And mm -hmm. so I want to know, um, you know, how do I set this up? How do I evaluate what is currently happening in, in the business? Because calls are actually kind of difficult to monitor, I think. Um, at least I haven't figured out a way to, to do this in a way that's uh, efficient or consistent or, or anything like that. So so mm -hmm. walk me through how we can set up a little bit of call metric um uh, tracking on our in our company. Mm -hmm. Well, depending on the technology that you've got at your fingertips, I can provide some broad view of what you should be paying attention to. And essentially, it's listening to your squeaky wheels. So mm -hmm. in your particular example, talking about how you've seen fewer leads coming from digital strategies and more so coming through text messages and calls sounds like you might be having a lot of success with referrals coming through, mm -hmm. but not necessarily anything that might be coming from paid attribution channels like pay-per-click campaigns. And we do or, get chat. I'll tell you that. We do get chat yeah. as well. Well, that's good. That's a sign that leads are coming to your website. So that's a yeah. very good sign. So I think no matter what is understanding how leads have found you, part of that intake should absolutely be asking them, how they heard about you, what made them call you that day. Because then you can start to gain an understanding, are my paid channels working for me? Again, if you don't have any technology in place that's going to be tracking specific tracking numbers, those DID lines that you might be using, um, it's very important to understand where those leads are coming from because you want to duplicate that as much as possible. Uh, obviously, referrals remain the number one avenue for lead generation in most um, sub industries within the home service industry. Mm -hmm. But if you can make your money work smarter for you and not harder, if you can understand, hey, these particular campaigns work very well. This campaign I did before did not do well. Understanding what that looks like. And that could involve working with a specific vendor. So if you've got someone that is helping you with your pay-per-click campaigns or with your SEO strategy, sitting down and setting expectations with them that you do intend to understand the metrics. You do intend to understand what the click-through rate means. What does this mean for my business? Why is this a valuable metric? Can you follow up with me monthly and let me know how this is performing and if it's good, bad, or we need to reevaluate? Um, similar to most anything, you're working, you're running your own business, but that SEO company, that ad company, that social media company, they're also running a business and you can set those expectations with them. And whenever you're specifically looking at your call metrics, understanding where those leads are coming from, and then are they converting? What stage are they getting to? So if you have leads calling in, they have one call and you call back and they don't answer or they say, I've already moved on to another option, you need to be cataloging that information. How many leads have converted? How many leads failed to convert? And where along that journey they failed to convert? If you are consistently stumbling just as you are about to set that booking appointment, ask for feedback. Reach out to those leads and say, hey, I want to do better. I want to know why I lost your business. It could be as simple as, you know what? 
I had a question at 9 p.m. at night, really random. I tried calling, no one answered. It was kind of urgent, so I decided to call someone else and they answered, so I went with them. Mm. Well, there is a squeaky wheel, something for you to add that you are recognizing is causing you to fumble the bag. Um, And it could be something else entirely. It could be like, you know, I called and I didn't have the best caller experience and they might be very candid with you. And something that we're going to touch on in a little bit are the types of callers that you get. And those people who call or who vent to you or they are frustrated callers, they are honestly some of the best people that you can talk to because they are showing you what needs to be improved. Yeah. It's a hard conversation to have. And a lot of the times it might be easy to feel a little bit defensive because you're like, I've been working on improving this. And that's where you can start to explore options. If you're not having success in engaging with these callers consistently, explore your options, figure out if there are vendors who are able to help you, or if you've got people in your network that have advice for you on what they've done to improve that specific hurdle that they faced before. Yeah, absolutely. What this is, what this is, you know, reminding me of is how often I think that a lot of the tech platforms that we use, they set us up to have uh, kind of an undue um, reliance on pure numbers. Um, A lot of times these, the metrics that are set up um, aren't, a lot of times they're just not set up correctly. So they're not always accurate. Um, A lot of times small business owners, especially in in the painting uh, world. um, I mean, let's face it, we are um, painters first, most of us and Mm -hmm. business owners second. And we're trying to make that leap from business owner to, um, uh, or from, from painter to business owner. And we don't always have that foundational understanding of what these numbers mean. Mm-hmm. What call metrics do is they replace a quantitative measure for a qualitative measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can call and talk to the customer. We can ask for their open and honest feedback. We can take notes on that. We can evaluate those, those uh, things from a human perspective mm-hmm. and a lot of times, I think, especially for those who um, are have been in business for you know less than ten years, who don't have a business background, um, a lot of those qualitative call-based conversations are really what's missing in terms of getting um, you know open and honest feedback about what needs to change in your business to to move it move the ball forward. Um, and I would honestly say that for companies is you know is is the size of Ruby. Uh, you know, a lot of times people, you know, businesses that size are relying too much on Excel and not enough on uh, a handwritten note from a conversation. Yeah, we have something that we call wowism at Ruby. We have a lot of little cutesy phrases. It's sure. just a part of who we are. But with wowism, it's actually listening to our customers. So we've got our customer happiness managers who basically ensure our customers are happy. If we're on the phone with one of them and we're just checking in, making sure they're satisfied with the service and like, oh, yeah, it's good. It's a little chilly here. But other than that, it's great. We will send them a mug with some hot chocolate. We've sent blankets before. We've sent baby onesies before. I mean, just little things. But again, that's something on a larger scale. You kind of have the privilege to do. But even a handwritten note, a handwritten card, especially if you've had a particularly difficult customer that you have put a lot of work and time and energy into nursing that relationship. And at the end of the job, they're extremely satisfied. You don't just want to say, all right, I'm so glad I was able to meet those needs. Let's move on. You need to continue that relationship building. Write them a handwritten card or say, hey, I really valued the, the time we had together. I learned a lot. Can I set up a call with you? And it's something called a customer call interview, basically, where you're Mm -hmm. calling your customer and you are asking for genuine feedback after you've already performed the service. And, you know, you've had a learning curve with them, potentially those frustrated customers that you've worked with can turn into your biggest advocates because they've seen your growth. Yeah. So if you continue to put in that um, that people-centric aspect, I mean, what we have found in our own research is 
if you focus on a customer experience first, on average, you are 60% more profitable. Now, the hiccup comes in when we ran some um, research and we pulled some data. 75% of organizations believe they're customer centric, but only 30% of customers agreed with that. So there's clearly something that is not connecting between businesses and customers. So right. even if you feel like you've got that solid connection, trying to gather feedback from your customers and, and listening to what they're saying can really be a huge uh, proponent in your organic growth as a business. Absolutely. Um, so, so let's talk about ways to improve those, the, the quality of the, mm -hmm. the customer experience. And, you know, we, we're, we're talking a little bit about, you know, new leads. I, I want to cover a couple, a couple different, if we can just kind of mm -hmm. touch on um, a few, we don't have to go too, too long into them, but with the new lead, mm -hmm. especially in, in, in terms of what, you know, what we're doing uh, with the phone itself, um, or, or maybe even chat, we can talk about, you know, mm -hmm. the opportunities to chat as well. Um, how can we improve the quality of that experience for the new lead? So with a new lead coming through, they're ready to go. The worst thing that you can do is make them wait. And I'm sure everyone has heard speed to lead. So whether a lead is calling you or it's a chat that came through or some kind of digital lead that came through to you, email, text message, whatever the case may be, speed to lead is important. And I know a lot of you might be saying, I am pulling 80 hour work weeks already. The idea of picking up my phone at 9 p.m. does not appeal to me. We will talk right. about options that are available to you because there are services like Ruby that can help. But right now, let's just focus on what that experience look, should look like for the customer. So the customer first needs to be able to find you in order for that lead to be generated. So make sure you're doing all the work that you possibly can to get your business visible to your ideal audience, your demographic, especially geographically, making sure that it's just easy for them to find you and easy for them to contact you. On your website, that click to call, phone number, the chat feature, a form that they can fill out, uh, if they're able to schedule through a scheduling link on your website, all the better. Whatever makes that engagement journey at the, the discovery part of the journey easy, that's what you want to get set up. And then you need to make it easy for them to engage with you. And what the ease of engagement looks like is, yes, whenever they call, that phone is answered. But not only that, it is answered by a professional. It's answered by someone who knows how to answer their questions. And you are able to collect whatever specific intake you need from them and set up that appointment on that call if possible. Now, if it's not possible, if you're at your kid's ball game, let them know that you are going to be following up with them in X amount of time. Setting up very clear expectations and especially next steps is paramount to any sort of sale that you are trying to achieve. If you can't get that booked then and there, let them know, all right, I'm currently away from my computer. I will be sending you a scheduling link in the next two hours. Keep an eye out. I will follow up with you at 8 a.m. in the morning if I haven't heard from you. Mm -hmm. 8 a.m. won't work for me. I'm going into work. Great. What time is better for me to connect with you if I see you have not scheduled? Right. Set up those clear expectations because you want this business and that customer isn't going to call you back if they haven't received the link from you to schedule or a phone call from you to schedule. They're just going to move on. Yeah, so absolutely. That accessibility is a huge part. And then what follows that is follow through. So whatever expectations you set up with them from that initial conversation, that quality of your customer service that you had with them on the phone, like whenever we show up, we're going to put on booties whenever we come into your home. These are all the things that we've done to ensure that it is a positive experience for you. You feel safe in your home. You feel safe inviting us into your home. That just needs to be displayed. And then you're going to start that the building of trust with that customer. So I would say with those leads, speed to lead, consistency, clear expectation, that is the key to excellent communication in mm -hmm. most anything in life. 
Beautiful, beautiful. All right, let's talk a little bit about the folks that are on the wait list. This one is, this one I think is where, um, you know, if if you've done a great job in the sales process, but you do a poor job of communicating and keeping the customer engaged while they're on the wait list, this is this is probably where. It would have been better if they had like an okay experience uh, in the sales process. But if they had a dynamite experience and now you're letting them down in the in the waitlist period, mm-hmm. that's setting up your crew for a really tough job because mm-hmm. that customer is starting off just really mm-hmm. not being happy, being very uh, skeptical. Walk mm-hmm. us through the waitlist process. Mm-hmm. Where you can automate so you can optimize. That is my best advice because setting up consistent follow through, especially when they're on a wait list, it's just going to add another outbound call to your list, another email to your list. So what I would advise is and there are plenty of email format templates that are free that you can set up and folks that you are putting into your wait list, set them up in an email campaign. I know uh, Aweber Active Campaign, they've got free email templates that you can set up. And that way you are creating a consistent engagement process with that lead. So they are still getting touch points and reminders like, oh, okay, they're still communicating with me. We're still good to go. You're also setting them up again for expectation management. In that campaign, you can let them know that campaign can flow from a first email is sent out confirming that you want to be opting in for this campaign. That's going to let you know where you are along the wait list and what you can do in the interim. They confirm that's called a double opt-in. Very Mm -hmm. important for your engagement strategies with email marketing. That double opt-in basically provides them with an opportunity to uh, trust you a bit more because they see that you do want to know that they are engaging with your business. So from there, come up with a campaign that works best for you. Understanding, let's go with the first email out after the double opt-in email. It's going to be expectations. This is where you are in the wait list. This is how long it's expected to connect with us. Here are some things to do in the interim. Here are some industry updates as to why you are in the wait list. This is what's what we are seeing. This is what our workload is looking like. Giving them an idea of why not only working with you, but any other contractor, it would be taking a bit more time than typical because there is so much demand in especially seasonality. And then just follow up consistently with email updates. Like this is what uh, another industry update. This is where we are with you um, and always provide them a link to connect. So if they've got questions, there should be something in that email that says, click uh, this number to give us a call and ask us any questions or click this form and let us know if you've got feedback about your waiting experience so you can continue to evolve somewhere in that email campaign, provide a feedback channel. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of that quick feedback because, you know, I think people know when they're in an automated, you know, campaign sequence, there's a kind of a genericness to it that, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is hard to, um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to hide that. It's hard to mask Mm -hmm. that. Um, what I like is this idea of like, yeah, okay, put a little, you know, uh, button in the email for, mm-hmm. you know, chat now or mm-hmm. something like that. That's uh, pretty useful. Um, I also, you know, I think that, I, you know, I use automation. I definitely use automation. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it's important, especially when it's something that I know that I just can't, like, I don't have the bandwidth to, to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm also for... Uh, not automating everything because uh, mm-hmm. yes. I think if it, everything is automated, if yes. everything that you write is generated by an AI, mm-hmm. you said it. Authenticity mm-hmm. is the is the word, and mm-hmm. and I and I put a premium on that just because it's a value of of my company. It's one of our mm-hmm. core values to be fearlessly authentic. You know, mm-hmm. we we talk about that all the time, and so there is an element for us about you know, does this have to be automated? Can Mm -hmm. we just put it on our schedule and make it part of our, part of our work week? Mm -hmm. And, and so for me, a pretty low lift, and I, and I recommend this to my listeners, we do it in our, in our company, every other Friday, anybody who sells 
has it on as an agenda item, as a task list to just send out status update to all mm -hmm. of their customers. Uh, that is not a huge lift. It's mm -hmm. only twice a month. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, depending on your backlog and the time mm -hmm. of the year, it's it's really not that many emails. Mm -hmm. um, and it's personal and, and they yeah. know, you know, and it's, and it's also up to date because the, the being on the, the, the most worrisome part of being on a wait list is the fact that this company that you don't know very well has your money and they haven't showed up yet to work. Yeah. That's yeah. the hard, that's the scariest part. And we mm -hmm. have to empathize with that fact. We have to empathize with the fact that they're holding on to potentially thousands of dollars in mm -hmm. down, in down payment money. Um, mm -hmm. And they have no clear start date because we can't give them a start date because the weather could jack our schedule and we'd be mm -hmm. wrong. Uh, now with, with like, you know, post COVID, if anybody gets sick, they're home, they, mm -hmm. they're not coming into work period. Nobody's working sick anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so the schedule gets moved around. That's just part of business, but filling your customers in, helping them know, mm -hmm. Hey, we have not forgotten about you. We have, this is the update. This is the best that we could mm -hmm. do. It's going to be the second half of July. That's the best I could tell you. I am going to update you again in two weeks. Mm -hmm. That makes a huge difference in customer engagement. And they actually respond back to those emails. They actually mm -hmm. read those emails rather than sometimes the, the automated, not to push too much, uh, push back too much on your, on your concept. Cause I do believe in automation when we just, there's just no way that yeah. we can get to it. But to a degree, sometimes we do have to be mm -hmm. a real human being that mm -hmm. is actually engaging with customers. And I think it, even whenever you do consider automation, whatever your messaging is, it needs to be unique to your business, to what you were saying. It needs to feel authentic to what they would hear from you if they were to hop on a quick call. And even if you're still like, my time is so sparse. I can't think of a customized email every single other Friday. You could even create a quick template in your email that will pop yeah. up and then you can edit that template. But that way you don't have to think of something brand new every single time. But you can customize that template so that you can provide specific details to that specific customer and their expectations and what you are expecting. Absolutely. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. And that's exactly what I do. I, yeah, I don't rewrite that email every time I, no. <laughs> I use a template and I update it. Yep. Even small ways to optimize totally. anything you can do. Yep. Totally. 100%. Totally. Cool. Okay. Let's talk now about customers who are displeased with service. Cause this comes up uh, frequently, hopefully not too frequently for our, you know, PCA uh, accredited customers, but Every now and then you're going to have a customer who is not happy mm -hmm. with our phone communication in particular. How give us some tips, help us, help us mm -hmm. talk to displeased customer. Mm -hmm. And you can turn most any conversation into a good one. It's really just learning. Like you said, the etiquette, the ability to establish rapport, the sense of you're in this together you're fostering a sense of empathy for one another that is providing greater awareness into each other's emotional states, in particular for those who have a heightened emotion when they're reaching out to you. And you want to build a common understanding of context, who they are, why they are frustrated and what they hope to achieve from this conversation. When you are engaging with um, a frustrated caller, there's a few different types of caller or a chat if you're if it's virtual that you might be communicating with it could be someone who is an intimidator this person mm. is they are used to having the upper hand in their relationships and conversations and they believe if they can boss you around they will get what they want it could be a deal a freebie or something mm. else their key, yeah, exactly. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> their key behavior is going to try to convince you that they know your business better than you do. Mm -hmm. So your strategy here is to identify the customer for who they are to yourself. Just don't be like, you're an intimidator. Uh, <laughs> not, not that direct. But you want to remain calm and hold your ground. In a call or a conversation like this, you are going to be your own best advocate. 
And when someone is displaying bullying behavior, just give yourself that internal pep talk. This person is trying to intimidate me. Let's turn this around. Mm -hmm. And this is where you can start to practice active listening, but back it up with a bit of, you know, firm candor to mm. say something like, thank you for expressing your thoughts about XYZ issue or service or wait time. I hear your frustration. You want to be clear about what you can and you can't do for them. Mm. That honesty is going to cultivate respect. And if it doesn't, you can walk away from that conversation knowing that you held your ground. Yeah. Now there's also the venter. So someone who's frustrated, they're calling to complain about something that specifically rates, relates to the company and you enter the conversation, they already have some kind of negative bias. They're already expecting to be uh, let down to experience something worse. And they're just looking for more reasons to be frustrated. I have been this person before. Hate mm -hmm. to admit it, but I have. Sure. But unlike the intimidator, they don't want to control you. Their anger is coming from a very genuine place. So in this circumstance, it is best to understand the why behind the anger, reflect, validate where it makes sense and show that you empathize with them because anger is a human emotion that's very natural. We've all felt it. See it for what it is. Yeah. And take that frustration from the venter seriously, but not personally. Right. Because those angry customers, they're providing you with business opportunity. Like I said earlier, they're fantastic at identifying pain points in your business, yeah. in the product journey and whatever the journey is. And if you really see it as that, you can listen and make your business even better. Uh, I recommend if they're just kind of going on a little rampage, interrupt with an expression of gratitude because that alone can reset the tone. Mm, Something like, hey, like, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to bring this issue to my attention, or I'm so sorry to interrupt. I am grateful you are willing to share this frustration with me rather than just taking it online. I yeah. want to help problem solve with you. And then just continue with some reflective listening. Things like, so what I heard you say is blah, blah, blah. If I understand you correctly, you were telling me that this is where the frustration is stemming from. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really helpful. I think what could be really what's really difficult uh, in in some of those conversations where the customer is particularly emotional is that you 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 are being impacted by the emotion. You know, yeah. it's it's sometimes a person's emotion can really feel feel like an assault on on your own mm -hmm. emotions, mm -hmm. and it's important to really look at the content itself, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. look at the, look at the gift, not the, uh, mm -hmm. not the paper that it's wrapped in, you know, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> sometimes the emotion is, is that wrapping paper, the bow that, uh, you know, says so much, mm -hmm. but what is on the inside of it is, um, you know, there's, there's, there's fear, there's mm -hmm. concern, um, there's lack of clarity and, mm -hmm. I think what you said, just bringing in that level of empathy, that reflective listening, mm -hmm. um, making sure that you you understand them right, making mm -hmm. sure that they're feeling validated, which, by the way, I think something that a lot of people confuse about validation, validation doesn't necessarily mean agreement. Mm -hmm. And so you can validate their concerns and their feelings, mm -hmm. even if you think that they're wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I fully recognize that it is not easy because you might not be prepared for that conversation. You might see that familiar call coming through and you answer it. You're excited to connect with them and they are just immediately hammering into you with some kind of frustration. Mm -hmm. It takes practice, honestly, and it takes some work on your part just to realize, okay, whoa, my senses are overloaded right now because I wasn't anticipating this kind of a call. I wasn't anticipating this kind of negative feedback at 7 a.m. in the morning. Right. So taking taking some time to give yourself a little bit of grace and recognize that if you start to realize your own anger and frustration is building, that it it's not personal. This is an opportunity for you to turn this conversation around. And just like my mom taught me, you got to smell the roses and blow out the candle. 
<laughs> just take a beat. And I tell you what, when you're talking to these frustrated people and you are asking them questions and there comes a pause from that customer because they might not have anticipated you asking something that's a bit more introspective. So they're mm-hmm. calling and they're voicing a frustrated, uh, their frustration. And you're like, okay, thank you, number one, for calling me and wanting to talk to me about this. Rest assured, I'm going to help you. We're going to come up with a solution because this is not the experience I want you to have. What I'm hearing is this. Am I hearing this correctly? And Mm -hmm. if they are just silent for a little bit, this is another just a a time to practice resting with that silence because it can happen and it can be necessary. Sometimes they need a moment to think, to reflect, and to consider what they want to say. Just take that opportunity to practice your active listening and show them that the conversation is in their hands because Mm -hmm. where they take the conversation next can be completely different than what you might have been expecting. Mm -hmm. They could take a moment to reflect and say, I came in really hot. I'm sorry about that. I've had a rough morning, spilled my coffee all over my truck. It's just Mm -hmm. been really rough. You never know. So it takes practice, but I think that is the best way that you can go because no matter what, it's the truth. You right. want to come up with a solution, even if they're being really difficult and just really demanding and borderline nonsensical with <laughs> what they're coming at you with. You still want to do the very best to put your best foot forward so that if things part ways, if worse for the worst happens, you can still say, I did everything in my power to make that conversation go as well as possible. They didn't want to meet that energy. And so for that reason, I don't want them to be my customer. Mm. Mm. That's really good. That is really good. You, you know what you're talking about. This is great stuff. So, so tell us a little bit about like, so, so this is, this has all been in the context of us doing it ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, handle these conversations ourselves. If we are just at a point where we are, um, you know, just too strapped for time, we're pulled Mm -hmm. in a million different directions, um, you know, how should we go about working with a, with a company like Ruby, um, you know, and evaluating those kind of options? Mm-hmm. I love startups. I love small businesses. I have so much respect for what you do, and I want to provide you with the tools that will help you find the best possible solution. It might not be Ruby. It might be another solution. What I care about is that you have the tools to understand what's the best fit for you. A lot of the times, whenever I talk to folks, they would love to hire someone in-house, but they either don't have the overhead or they are still kind of getting their wheels underneath them and they've had a lot of really uh, bad turnover. So Mm. the customer experience isn't able to be consistent. If your circumstance sounds similar to that, that's whenever I would advise looking to see if there are vendors within PCA. I start with vendors within PCA because they are vetted so you can get a better understanding. Um, Potentially other members utilize uh, a service that you can reach out to them and provide. uh, They can provide feedback on how well it's worked to work with that particular vendor. I always recommend starting with inside the org and working your way around and figure out what's the best solution. If you know that you need help answering phones, first and foremost, look for those virtual receptionists. And then you want to start asking some key questions, especially things that matter to you. Do I have to sign a contract? Uh, Do I have to utilize a certain amount or a certain volume to have a certain plan size? Are there hidden fees? If I have, if Um, I have Spanish speaking customers who call me frequently. Do I have to pay extra if a Spanish speaking receptionist answers the phone? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I have receptionists that are going to be available 24 seven that are based in the United States? Are they going to be able to take the intake I need? Are they going to sound in house? Can I customize my scripting? We have a list of questions that you can use to actually interview vendors who offer receptionist services. And um, Torlando, I can share that with you if we want to um, share that sure. as a part of the links in the description. Um, those kind of questions that will help you feel a bit more confident about your selection. And then also understanding what the return on investment will look like for you. So considering your call volume, how many calls you anticipate coming through that might be leads generated, 
What's the value of a lead to your business? If that deal converts, is that one deal going to cover the cost of the reception service and make it make sense? Hmm. The benefit to outsourcing is you don't have to pay benefits to this person. <laughs> you get to hire them and they, are, they have their benefits through your company. So that's great. And that's wonderful. But still monitor what that return on investment will look like for you. And consider when you really need this help. If you're just getting started and you pretty much answer 100% of the phone calls yourself, but sometimes you're unavailable or you are tired of answering after hours, make sure you can find a service that lets you customize. So maybe they exclusively answer overflow. If you don't answer in three rings, they pick up. Mm. Or you only want them to answer first thing in the morning and right after work and that's it or over the weekends. Mm. See if you can customize it based on your specific needs. But I think particularly since we're on the topic of the customer experience is just feeling confident that whoever is answering your phone is going to be the best representative for your business because that's going to be the very first person that your lead talks to and you want them to set up an expectation for success. So understanding what their training is like with their receptionists, how they're different, why they're special, um, and honestly, just get an understanding of what they will be able to provide to your callers that you wouldn't get from an answering service or any other service you might be interested in connecting with. Wonderful. Wonderful. Those, that's, those, that's a really, that's that's great. <laughs> that was really good. That was really helpful uh, is what I'm saying. So so tell us a little bit about um, Ruby. I'm assuming that, you know, some of those positive qualities are, are the things that Ruby's going to excel at. Um, tell us a little bit how we can get connected with, with you guys. Yeah. So one of the reasons I've stuck around is because the chat side of the operation, I felt like it was my baby. I built it up from the ground up. And when Ruby came on, I was nervous to say the least. When you were acquired by a company, I'd never gone through an acquisition. And I was fearful that our quality would be diminished because of it. And it hasn't. They've improved upon our quality. And honestly, the way that they treat us is... Um, very reflective of how we treat your callers. They treat us extremely well as employees. So I think that that's just part of the foundations for success as a business. If your employees are happy, they're going to have better engagements with your customers. So with Ruby, we've been answering phones for the past 20 years. And when we answer the phones, we actually do want it to feel like it's an in-house experience. We want to be able to answer frequently asked questions, potentially schedule if you have that feature available that we can take advantage of that and set up very clear next steps. And on top of that, we can also do outbound calls. So a part of Ruby's uh, umbrella that I really appreciate is everything is included in the pricing our bilingual receptionist, our outbound calls, everything is included. The only time you might have an extra fee is if you have like custom hold music or if you've mm -hmm. got a completely separate business and you have separate scripting, there's going to be what we call an ad line. So that's sure. a topic for another conversation. But all of this, all of these features I talk about, they're included. And with outbound, what I love is that it's just another way that we can free up your time. We're not going to do sales calls on your behalf, but administrative calls absolutely. You need to let someone know that they are officially off the wait list and you need to gather some additional inf information before we set up the appointment. Great. We will do that. You get to upload everything into the dashboard or the app if you have it on your phone and we will do those outbound calls. And then last but not least, working in the home service industry, having two phones is a headache. I used to be a salesperson. I had two phones and it was a headache. I port my business line to my Ruby app. So now I just go to my Ruby app and I can place phone calls from my personal cell phone from my business line. I can send text messages from my business line and I don't mm. have to have two phones anymore. I can also update my call handling instructions. I can upload my schedule so that the receptionist team who helps me with my calls, they know when I'm available and when I'm not which is really valuable because if we are getting a, a lead on the phone and we want to connect them through to be scheduled or to connect them through for next steps, we can see whether or not you're available 
And we can also, of course, screen out robocalls, um, which have been on the rise. So if you are like, what is the deal? This is something that we've tracked in our recent call uh, surveys. Scam calls are on the ramp up. So we have worked with our own technology to figure out how to screen out those auto dialer calls and robocalls. And if it is a scam caller, then we know how to handle those call instructions as well, based on your feedback as you go through onboarding. Awesome. And you've got a deal going on. So I'm going to pop this up. Um, So I put it up a QR code Mm -hmm. and uh, tell us a little bit about this deal. Yes. So you will get $50 off of your first three months. So that's $50 off the first, second, and third month. Uh, Whenever you select a reception plan of 100 minutes or more, whenever you contact our team, we will talk to you about what your call volume looks like and what minutes look like for you. That's a very common question that we get. Um, What I like to say is our average call time is right around two minutes. So if you go with a 100-minute plan, that would be about 50 calls a month. Bear in mind, that's not just inbound calls. Those can be utilized. Those minutes can be utilized for those outbound calls as well. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll have the uh, the link available in the show description. Uh, Stephanie, this has been a great conversation. I feel uh, very enlightened about this process. And um, yes, you definitely have put uh, customer engagement, especially with calls, on my mind. So I appreciate you and I'll be checking out Ruby. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day, everyone. There we have it. Uh, Ruby, Stephanie Jones, chit-chatting about (laughs) chit-chatting. That was really good. I was really really into that conversation. Uh, Picked up a lot of, I wrote down a lot of good notes. and, uh, and I encourage you to go back and, and listen to this. Uh, you know, in our business in particular, the phone is, um, it's a really powerful tool. And, and I think that um, if we are not considering ways to improve upon our phone etiquette, and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, we, we've got listeners of this show that um, I know what you're doing. You are, when you answer the phone, you're just like, hello and that's that's your idea of uh, of answering the phone for your business that doesn't work folks we got to professionalize for those of you who have uh you know who have, who have been doing this for a little while and you've you've got a little bit more uh sophistication on your side um what i could tell you is that in the years past when i've used an answering service especially the good ones i've used i've you i've had to i've gone through at least one before i found one that was decent and there is a difference (laughs) there is a difference when you find a good one they do have that in-house quality feel i know a lot of people get nervous about a call answering service a reception service because they want that in-house quality feel there are companies who can do that and uh, it sounds like ruby is one of them so i appreciate them as an industry partner um, if you are interested in um, watching this show on uh, PC Overdrive so that you can get that, um, that QR code, um, don't forget to download the app. Um, it's $5.99 a month with, uh, for non-members free with your PCA membership. Um, man, it's great to be a painter. So glad to have you on the show, uh, have you guys listening. Thanks to uh, Ruby. Thanks to the PCA for producing. Until next time, my name is Torlando. Thank you for listening to Payhead. Payhead podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.